Chris Gowser here with Matt Howell. And this week on The First Run, we head back to the Stone Age and huddle closer to the flames to ward against the terrors of the night with Out of Darkness. Then we watch Jason Statham be the Stathamist Statham he can be as he bucks against type as a man who's the best at what he does, but what he does isn't very nice in The Beekeeper. As always, we give you the big releases on physical media, the straight-to-DVD and streaming picks of the week. Then we wrap all this up with our five favorite performances of 2023. So let's get this party started with a clip in a language that doesn't exist with Out of Darkness. Anarashum. Oh boy, Matt, it sounds like there's something evil in Demdare Woods. What is uh, Out of Darkness all about? Well, it's 45,000 years ago, and a group of early humans is heading out on its own. A family unit, an elder, and a stray woman that they've picked up along the way to find a new safe place to live. And as they are venturing deeper and deeper into the wilderness, they quickly come to find out that something in the dark is stalking them. Dang, Matt, let me tell you, we got four options. Mm-hmm. I'm walking in this thing, right? We got four options. We got a supernatural right. thing. Yep. We got an aminal right. thing. Sure. We got potentially aliens, maybe, because okay. I don't count that as supernatural. Supernatural is more like demons, ghosts, sure. whatever the case may be. And then you got folks. You got other peeps. Yeah. Right. Right. And I'm going through my head, like, what would be the most, the potentially most disappointing out of those four for me? Yeah. Now. I get that. I don't know how spoilery we want to get with this one because it's, um, well, all right, let's just keep it basic. Matt, what sure. are your thoughts on out of darkness? Is it the survival survivor kind of horror film thing in a non-existent language that take place 45,000 years ago that you never knew you needed? Like, is this, or, or would you rather watch Adam driver 65? Which takes like 65, what, million years prior? Sure, sure. To today. Yeah, I, I would definitely watch this over watching 65 again. That's for sure. I'll, I'll give it that uh, that praise. I, you know what? I think this is an interesting niche uh, in the genre, right? It's a good subgenre of where you kind of go back to the prehistoric past when things were a lot more dangerous and even things that are, you know, what we would consider mundane or normal have the capacity be to be interpreted as you know not normal or supernatural because of just the ignorance of the time i think it worked really well with the witch which you know obviously that is true supernatural but it kind of keeps you guessing and it's Mm -hmm. kind of its area and i think going back to this prehistoric time frame really works i think it's an interesting it's an interesting idea that i that i hope gets pursued a little bit more and I don't know if it's 100% successful in this, but I had a good enough time watching it. It's got some really good suspenseful scenes. It's got some violence that you aren't expecting as far as the graphicness of it. And I think the mm-hmm. resolution of it is 
a little unexpected, but it makes sense once it's all said and done. Yeah, I think as a horror viewing experience, man, I think some people are going to feel a little underwhelmed by the reveal. Mm -hmm. Others may be amazed and still more may be angry. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure where I land mm -hmm. with it because I think it, it's trying to make maybe some bold statements about certain things that I'm trying to avoid as what what the definition of a true monster really is mm -hmm. type of a thing, right? And uh, I don't know. I mean, there's a great... I feel like there's like a great I potential not great but there's an interesting kind of allegory for potentially uh, um, see I don't, oh, I, can, I don't want to say anything because I'm going to spoil the film so I'll just say the one thing I'll say is well, I, I'm always shocked at how clean shaven and well kept all the uh, prehistoric people are mm -hmm. fair I, I you would think that everybody would just have crazy hair right. and crazy like bad beards like me like mismatched patches type of a thing you know uh, but it looks pretty sharp so uh i think the film mostly works i don't think it 100 percent sticks its landing in fact i'm not even probably at 40 percent that it sticks its landing mm -hmm. but i think the rest of the film holds up well enough for it to be an engaging experience uh for this kind of throwback not literally throw like throw but just this prehistoric survival horror type film mm -hmm. you know i it's i will say there are a few gore effects that keep the freaks happy yeah uh when i say freaks i mean me <laughs> and it's scary enough at times the inner conflict amongst the people that are trying to move on and find this land where they can kind of survive uh you know because they're looking for food and shelter and all this so they venture out themselves and it's just the the conflicts the tribal conflicts between all of them is interesting as well but it's it's mostly fine like most films i guess right it's it's fine sure. i just i'm still going back and forth on the ending of it i think it's i don't restrained isn't the right word it's not it's supposed to come off as this big kind of shocking kind of moment and it's just not really it still felt a little pedestrian to me. It didn't really be like, holy crap. It's more like mm -hmm. I'm about halfway through this. Not even. I'm like, I know exactly what's going to happen. Sure. Unfortunately. Sure. So do you, would you have, well, how do I yes. even ask this question? <laughs> um, all right. So I've liked a different outcome. Yeah. Would you have, have, you know, of those four scenarios that you, would you have preferred yeah. one set over another? I don't know. Maybe I just would have preferred a, a, a much more engaging ending than what we got. The problem is this thing is also a tight, you know, it's less than 90 minutes. So, yeah. you know, maybe I hesitate as someone who's loath to say movie times need to be any longer than they are. But maybe the running time was a little bit uh, a factor here. Maybe they could have put something in it to make it breathe a little bit more. I don't know. Not a lot more time, but maybe a little. Maybe. I think everybody's kind of figured out at this point, if you're listening to us, <laughs> what the reveal is. Mm -hmm. So we'll just do this. I'm going to count down from five, okay. and now I'm going to start talking about it. Okay. So um, you'll be able to kind of scoot ahead. I'll say, let's I'll, let's clock it. I'm going to put a timer on my phone right now, and I'm going to give us three minutes. Three or four? Five minutes? Three minutes. Five minutes? Three minutes. Three? Yeah. Three minutes to talk about it. All right? Okay. Counting down. Five 
four, three, two, one. So it's people, mm -hmm. right? It's people. And it's the big reveal at the end, too, where he was, uh, uh, they were trying, the kidnapped kid that they were trying to protect him and mm -hmm. raise him because what they felt that the, these numb nuts couldn't figure it out on themselves and they weren't going to survive. Plus, they were going to try and kill them all. Yeah. I like the idea of, we have this, you know, anti-imperialism or at least the Native American kind of potential response to an invasion mm -hmm. from a, uh, uh, a strangers within Matt. I guess, and you have the whole thing like, who's the real monster, right, in all of this? Yeah, but I mean, so I, and maybe to me, the monster, they're, so if you're going back that far, they're not Homo sapiens. They're Neanderthals. So we are the monster. We did kill all of them. Like we, yeah. we so we, we successfully true. wiped them out. You know why? That's why we're the, you know, dominant species on the, on the planet. Cause we killed all the other subhuman species or other human species that are out there. And I think that's kind of what this is, is just kind of showing that again, yes, we're the monster, but at least, you know, we really are kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I didn't. That's interesting because I hadn't thought about it that way. That it's just kind of like the just another. It's a chapter in the in the extermination of all the other pre Homo sapiens or the other whatever whatever yeah, you the said the other versions yeah, of yeah the other the other human species. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. I yeah. I don't know. I guess it's fine. I think I would have liked better. Some kind of supernatural demon type thing. Yeah, I think something. I would have too. I think I would have hoping for the supernatural, but I was happy it wasn't an animal. That would have been the thing that really annoyed the shit. That looks so. Yeah. So people was my last one. Okay. So maybe you know you're right. Maybe animal would be fourth, unless it was like a rabid animal, something that was just insane mm -hmm. or something. But or like a saber tooth tiger, something that's not a real anymore kind of thing. Mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. Or they were being slowly stalked by like a woolly mammoth or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, out, a woolly mammoth out for revenge because they never forget. <laughs> hey, Jaws did it. That's very true. Yeah, we got 40 seconds left, Matt. So um, I feel bad for people. I'll, or we could just say, all right, now, now you're back. Go back 30 seconds and you'll catch up. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, hell, we, I mean, they found Neanderthal, like an old uh, Homo sapien, you know, prehistoric humans. They found Neanderthal bones. We, were, we ate them. We killed them and we ate them is what happened. Which is, Gross. Yeah, it's pretty messed up. That's disturbing. Mm -hmm. I don't like to think about that. Yeah. Man, I never think about that stuff. I don't know why. No, I guess I have other things taking up all the space in my tiny brain. <laughs> all right, Matt, five seconds. Four, three, two, one. And we're back. All right, so there's your spoiler discussion of Out of Darkness, Matt. What are you going to give it? Uh, I'm sitting at a B- minus right now. Yeah, I think, I think I could. I'm on the teetering on the edge. I think I'm going to be a little bit more generous and give it a B. It's a low B, but it's still a B. Okay, good to know. Good to know. Part of me wonders too. I wonder if they should have gone with just. They do have subtitles, so it's a made-up language. You got a regular like cinematic cigaros here, and uh, I wonder if they could have just if they eschewed the subtitles and just went all vibes. Mm. I think it would have been. I think it's too experimental. But I think it still would have worked. I think it would have been a fun idea. Didn't they do that like in an old film like uh, Clan of the Cave Bear or something where like they all were prehistoric and they didn't do any subtitles. You had to pick up everything by what was going on on screen. Oh, I don't know. I've never seen it. Mm. I couldn't tell you. All right. 
but I think a horror film would be really would lend itself easily, mm-hmm. air quotes easily, to sure. something like that. Fair. So, I've right, got a chance to see uh, Out of Darkness, which is currently in theater. Shoot us an email feedback at thefirstrun.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Matt, should we have done um, Lisa Frankenstein instead? I don't know. How is Lisa Frankenstein doing? How has it been received? I think it's it's received relatively <clears throat> well. I know there's a few people that I really f- like on uh, Twitter that seem to really enjoy it. it. I think the first film directed by Zelda Williams, which I believe is Robin Williams' daughter, mm. and it's uh, written by Diablo Cody. And, which could be uh, a good or a bad thing, depending on where you land on old yeah, Diablo. That's true. It's sitting at about 50% on Rotten Tomatoes, it looks like. Okay. But it's an affectionate callback to classic horror comedies of the 80s is what uh, the website's consensus reads. That sounds like it's right up your wheelhouse. Not necessarily, Not necessarily my wheelhouse, but definitely your wheelhouse. I'll definitely want to check out Lisa Frankenstein at some point, too. It's Catherine Newton's in it who I enjoy. So, mm, I mean, I liked Freaky a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, not so much... Coming up physical medium at this upcoming Tuesday, February 27th. I did not see this. I would like to. Um, well, that's actually, that's number five. That's not what we're about to play, Matt. This is a clip from a film bidding, getting its 4K release from Walmart in a steelbook. I only have this on DVD. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to pull the trigger on a steelbook. Though it occurs to me, I didn't look to see if it's available in 4k individually as well maybe i can find that out while we're uh, listening to this wonderful wonderful little clip we need help we must buy guns we know nothing about them will you buy guns for us guns are very expensive and hard to get aren't you hire men men gunmen nowadays men are cheaper than guns will you go it will be a blessing if you came to help us. Sorry, I'm not in the blessing business. No, no, we offer more than that. We could feed you every day. And we have this. What's that? We can sell this for gold. Everything we own. Everything of value in the village. I've been offered a lot for my work. But never everything. Matt, 1960s, The Magnificent Seven. You just heard The Cock with the Walk. Is that what it is? The Cock with the Walk? What do the kids say? Yule Brenner? Mm-hmm. Cock of the Walk, I think, is right. Thank you. Uh, so it was released in 4K last year, 2023. Oh, okay. Just around this time. Okay. So, uh, But Walmart is putting out a steel book of uh, Magnificent Seven. So they're just in time for its 20, 24th. Listen to me. <laughs> I wish. 44th. No, 64th anniversary. Yeah. 64th. Yeah. Came out in 1960. Ooh, doggy. So there you go. That's coming in 4K of the Steelbook from Walmart. Uh, what's coming up next? Number five. I'm going to go with The Three Musketeers D'Artagnan. This is part one out of a two-part adaptation of the beloved classic by Alexander Dumas. D'Artagnan arrives in Paris trying to find his attackers after being left for dead, which leads him to a real war with the future of France is at stake. He aligns himself with Athos, Porthos, and Aramis, Three Musketeers of the King. So... I, there was a point in my life when I was really young that if I ever had a son, I wanted to name him D'Artagnan. I just love that name so much. <laughs> so uh, thankfully, I guess for him, I never had any kids. So I have a dog. So I guess it worked out best for everybody. Well, I guess your next dog can be named D'Artagnan? Maybe. Ooh, that's an idea. Call him 
dart for short. Nah, that works. Uh, Eva Green is in this as well. I've heard, heard really good things about it. So, and I've always enjoyed the Three Musketeers story. So, uh, yeah, there's also a joke we watched in a movie relatively recently where someone says that there weren't four musketeers. And someone's like, did you ever read the book? That's kind of the whole point <laughs> of the book. All right. That's that's that. Matt. Number four. Four. Take away Titi's next goal wins, which is a film I think has been shelled for a while or it was unfinished or whatever. He finally got around to getting it out. It's uh, his adaptation of the 2014 British soccer documentary, who follows a Dutch coach who attempts the nearly impossible task, Matt, of making the American Samoa soccer team from perennial losers to actual winners. It includes a deleted scene. The trailer looked adorable and hilarious. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe me and uh, Mrs. First Run will check up with it at some point. I do, even though I'm kind of overdosed on YTT at this point, I think I still may want to check it out. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, you seen trailers? Do you remember? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll check it out if it, uh, once it hits the streaming service. I'll check it out. Good for you. Get three coffins ready. Uh-huh. Matt, the uh, origin story of Willy Wonka, called simply Wonka, Timothy Chalamet plays the titular Wonka, is being released on Blu-ray and 4K. Uh, Walmart has a steelbook. Target has some art cards. Includes a Dolby Atmos audio track. No mention of a Dolby Vision track. And I've heard weird and different things about this film. Like, it's really weird and dark at times mm-hmm. and not terribly good. Also a musical, which some people didn't realize going into it. Did you catch up with Wonka at all? I didn't. I had no, as we like to say on the show, juice to go see Wonka. Yeah, well, now's your big chance, Matt, to pick it up. Maybe I'll get it to you for your birthday. Thanks. You know me so well. <laughs> the two youths. Uh, uh, two what? Uh-oh. What was that word? Criterion is putting out the Roaring Twenties, Matt, in Blu-ray and 4K, the brand new 4K restoration. Ripped from the headlines, the turbulent era between the Great War and the Great Depression, Matt. This dynamic, nostalgia-tinged crime drama balances Tommy Gun action with epic historical sweep. Legends James Cagney and Humphrey Bogart star as army buddies whose fortune rise and fall as their fates intersect first in a foxhole in the front lines of World War I, the war to end all wars, and then in Manhattan's Prohibition-era underworld. Brand new 4K restoration of that, including a Dolby Vision HDR presentation of the film, audio commentary from film historian Lincoln Hurst, a new interview with critic Gary Giddens, and an excerpt from a 1973 interview with the director, Raoul Walsh. So I've never seen The Roaring Twenties. So I would hopefully like to catch up with that at some point. And finally-ish, because we're not really done, 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 but for the countdown. There can be only one! Monster from Hira, excuse me, Hirokazu Koreeda is being released. I heard great things about this last year. Did not get a chance to see it. He directed Shoplifters mm-hmm. uh, from a few years ago, which was a big success. A mother demands answers from her teacher when her son becomes acting, excuse me, comes, begins acting strangely. So I do want to catch up with Monster at some point. Coming up in 4K, we talked about Magnificent Seven. Uh, Little Darlings is being released in 4K. It's about two uh, 15-year-old girls from different sides of the tracks, Matt, who compete to see who will be the first to lose their virginity while at camp. I'm sure the folks at the Daily Wire are going to be all over this one. Brand new 4K restoration of that. A couple audio commentaries, alternate scenes, and more. This, of course, for the uninitiated, is the Tatum O'Neill, Christy McNichol film featuring Armand Asante and Matt Dillon as well. Vinegar Syndrome is putting out the horrible Dr. Hitchcock. Uh, not Hitchcock, Hitch, Hitchcock, different uh, 4K uh, release on that one. It includes the 87-minute Italian cut featuring both Italian and English language tracks. 76-minute American cut with the English language track as well. 
commentary, a couple new interviews, and more. Also, uh, Walter Hill's Southern Comfort, which is a film I have not seen that I'd like to, is being released in 4K from Vinegar Syndrome as well. Includes a commentary track with Walter Chow, who wrote a great book, uh, a Walter Hill film, Tragedy and Masculinity in the Films of Walter Hill. I've read great reviews about it. And then some bunch of brand new interviews in that one as well. Have you ever seen Southern Comfort? I have not, no. It's about this, uh, uh, the height of the Vietnam War, a group of National Guardsmen go to kind of do some jungle exploration and kind of some war game stuff. And they get mixed up with some of the uh, locals there and things go south pretty quickly. Interesting. So uh, it's supposed to be pretty good, pretty violent for the time as well. It features Powers Booth, Keith Carradine, Peter Coyote, uh, a lot of a lot of great actors from that time. Stanley Kubrick's Met Fear and Desire is being released in 4K as well. You get two brand new audio commentaries and uh, three short films included in the release. Flying Padre, Day of the Fight, and The Seafarers, all shorts by Kubrick from the 50s. And then uh, one of the films to... Oh, I didn't grab a Streets DVD pick of the week, Matt. Again. Things are just... It's too crazy right now. So I will say, though... I'll tell you this, and then we'll shift to Matt, and then I'll I'll see what we can find as, I, as quickly as possible. The uh, gunfight at the OK Corral is being released in 4K. Uh, this is the old old school film with Kirk Douglas and oh boy, why am I blanking out? It's not Mitchum, is it? Oh boy, this is just embarrassing, folks. Lancaster, thank you, thank you very much, Bert Lancaster. You're welcome. You're welcome. Matt, what should we be streaming this week? So I'm going to wreck a film that may shock Chris because I didn't love it. Chris really loved it. In fact, it was one of his top 10 films of the year. Hmm. Uh, But you can check out the Oscar contender, Past Lives, about a horrible woman who... Hey. (laughs) No, just kidding. (laughs) Come on now. A woman who makes questionable romantic choices and expects everyone to go along with it. When a love from her past, or at least a love that could have been, gets back in touch with her, decides to come see her, and um, they check out to see if there was still anything there, even despite that she's married and brings her husband along for the date. Uh, it's available on Paramount Plus for your viewing pleasure. Uh, also, uh, Hoopla and Showtime if you don't have Paramount Plus. You know, that's just, you're just being rude now. You're just being mean. <laughs> what, by describing the actual plot of the film? Fine. I don't really have a. I mean, those things I'm looking happen. for something on my soundboard to yell at you about, but I can't. Uh, <laughs> nothing's really jumping out at me that's appropriate right now. I almost went to you know who just to be mean, but. I'm going to be nice. Jamesy? Yes. Just because you hate it so much. (laughs) I do. I do hate it. Oh, my gosh. Does that suck? All right, fine. Uh, You're straight to DVD pick of the week, Mac. I want to go with The Black Mass. You're about to spend 24 hours with one of the world's most notorious serial killers. A true crime thriller inspired by real events. The Black Mass is set over a 24-hour period in Florida during the winter of 1978. I think you're just spending time in Orlando. The film follows a serial killer in the days leading up to his final unhinged rampage, providing a disturbing and terrifying look into the warped psyche of a notorious murderer, as well as the ramification of his violence for those who fell victim to it and for those who survived. An all-star cast! I'm stressing that word. Headlines, Matt, this gripping horror thriller featuring Nikki Whalen of Hall Pass, Jeremy London of Mallrats, 
Kathleen Kinmont of Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Oh, God, that is a bad film. Lisa Wilcox is a Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master. Jennifer Weger of Tales of Halloween. Chelsea Gilson of Dolomite is my name. Lou Temple of The Devil's Rejects. Just, we're listening to everybody. Ellen Dietz to David Holtzman's Diary. And Susan Lanier, The Hills Have Eyes. And the feature directorial debut from Devony Penn of Frost, The Dawn, and Breakout. So there you go. Fantastic. Boy, that was worth it. Matt, what do you got any big va- Valentine's Day plans? Are you and uh, the missus going to be watching your annual tradition of watching Requiem for a Dream? Do you got anything going on? Uh, it's, well, we've moved on to Lars Van Trier's Nymphomaniac, but uh, one and two. Ooh, we started unrated? In the morning and finished up, yeah, unrated, finishing at night, yeah. <laughs> um, no, we don't We don't have any plans, actually, because uh, she'll be working late yeah. tomorrow. So. Same with us, unfortunately. We have a bunch of other obligations this weekend that are already like set. Mm. Though Wednesday night, there's a bar in town that's doing 80s music all night, like oh, including like 80s love songs, nice. but it's a Wednesday night. Okay, right. But it's Valentine's night. If they start like at six, we may actually go for a couple hours. <laughs> nice. That's Very what I want. Good. I want a semi-regular, every four to five weeks, give me an 80s dance night. You'd think in one of the largest growing cities in the country, I'd be able to lock mm-hmm. that in somewhere. I used to be able to do it in Connecticut. Now, granted, I may mm-hmm. have to cross state lines, but sure. still, yeah, the Northampton, oh, I had some good birthdays up there. That was good times. Yeah. Well, sorry, Boomer. Nothing you can do about it. Fine. Now you're just being me. I'm going to play that goddamn <laughs> clip now. No. All right. Let's keep rolling, Matt. So let's talk about Jason Statham. Statham up all up in this place. It's the beekeeper. That's them in there, just like that? Just like that. I wouldn't go in there for a day or two. Had the expression kick the hornet's nest? I'll stay right here, thank you. Those things scare me to death. Well, they've been killing my honeybees. Two days unchecked, and wipe out the whole colony. What are you going to do with them? Well, that's between me and them, if you don't mind. That's okay. I understand these things. I just wanted to thank you for putting up with me. And all of my bees. This place was crabgrass and weeds, and you brought it back to life. You're a blessing. No one's ever taken care of me before. The beekeeper, Matt, Jason Statham plays the beekeeper. He actually, he has a name though. It's not just like some weird thing. His name's Adam Clay. At least that's the name he goes by now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what happens, Matt, is that lovely young woman you heard there, Felicia Rashad, Mrs. Claire Huxtable, is a retired school teacher. She runs a charity and she falls victim to a phishing scam. And they wipe out all our assets. And something bad happens. And Statham's basically on the path to revenge. He's got some butts to kick. And that's it. That's basically the your whole film. And what are your thoughts on The Beekeeper, Matt? It's Is it everything you're looking for in a mindless action film? Is uh, Listen, I'll say this. Let's see if you agree with me. If, if Liam... It's time for Liam to kind of take it easy and no longer be Mr. January, Mr. February. I think Statham is the perfect guy to take up that mantle. Now, he does make some stinkers, but I don't think this is one of them. I think this is just some top shelf dadtainment. Mm-hmm. And I would watch another half dozen of these. No problem. Are I think sure? so. 
There's right. a, we'll we'll okay. talk about it. What about you? What are your thoughts on the beekeeper? It is a big old jar of honey worth keeping. Sure, let's keep up the bee the bee puns as much buzz, as we can. Buzz, like I, buzz, another effort. Guess, yes, exactly. I uh, yeah, I thought it was fine. I thought it was entertaining enough. I mean, the the plot is paper thin. Uh, you know, it's it's nasty in some places. It's weirdly. I can't tell if it has like a weird agenda to it because this guy is busy killing crypto bros and and uh law enforcement um he has seems to have no problem killing what would be the good guys like he seems to have no problem killing everyone which is a little but at times he does yes at times when he feels like it not for any like personal code i think right yeah there is a weird inconsistency in his in his mayhem yeah exactly yeah so I mean, the whole idea of he's got to restore the balance kind of thing is all nonsensical, but the action's fun. You know, when the South African crazy guy shows up at the end, that's, that's a blast. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm, you know, I, it's, I was leaning into the ridiculousness of it and yeah, I had a pretty good time with this shockingly enough. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's Statham and his most Statham me. Absolutely. And I think it's uh, one of the things I love too, is just preposterous backstory that everyone seems so just overly excited to tell the story of the beekeeper mm-hmm. and who they are. <laughs> the beekeepers are, I guess right. there's only one at a time and they mm-hmm. have almost complete autonomy to do whatever they right. want at any time as well. Right. As long as they're able to protect mm-hmm. the status quo, I guess in a way, which again is sure. a really horrific thought process. It, you, really, if you think about it, that just, right. I don't know how that did, is any different than what our military does around the world right now to begin with anyway, or at least he, anyway, let's not get into that, man. I think it's a very well done knockoff of far superior films. Yeah, sure. And I think it, what I do appreciate too is it takes no time to getting to what it knows that you want. I mean, we dispatch Claire Huxtable like within the first six minutes of this film. And <laughs> another thing too that's really weird about it, it has this really almost schizophrenic script where I think is at times is wonderfully cheesy and fun. And at other times, eye-rollingly bad. Right. And uh, like I love the interplay between the two FBI agents. It's right. so overwritten that it's just very, it's still entertaining. But Statham doesn't really get a lot of good lines in this, though, unfortunately. Yeah, he just kind of glowers his way through this. He doesn't really, he's like a, a force of nature. He's, he's pulling off his best John Wick. Yeah. Where he like says the minimum as possible and nothing that's unnecessary. No quips, nothing like that. The thing too that was weird is like the trucker hat kept bothering me because like in some scenes it looks like it's gigantic, almost like it's a clown version of the trucker hat. <laughs> and the next shot it seems to fit him appropriately. I, I, I don't know. It's just the kind of inconsistency that I expect from David Ayer at this point, really. Sure. I think he's uh-huh. been coasting on what End of Watch, which is a film I don't even think is terribly good that a lot of people seem to really enjoy. And sure. his writing credits are pretty good. U571 is a solid mm-hmm. like World War II submarine film, if you haven't seen it. Right. Training Day, mm-hmm. well, we can get into that. We've got a whole I don't know, I've, I've talked about that film ad nauseum. He was in the co-writers of the original Fast and Furious film. He wrote mm-hmm. Dark Blue, the Kurt Russell, uh, you know, blue yeah. line kind of thing, thing that's pretty good. I did not see SWAT. I did not see Harsh Times. Uh, then he directed Street Kings. You know, Sabotage, he wrote and directed. That's a Schwarzenegger film about that, like, elite unit of folks that's, like, one of, that goes bad. I think that's, mm-hmm. a, that's an almost unwatchable film. 
except for Schwarzenegger. I think actually he gives one of his best performances in that film, but everything else happening around him is it's just a slog. And a lot of his stuff is like that. Uh, Fury, Suicide Squad, Bright. Oh, God. Bright is terrible. I didn't even see The Tax Collector. Mm, me neither. But if he can do... Like, uh, if he can... he It's really funny, man. Because I feel like he doesn't maintain this balance of the film being like 60-40 good versus bad. Instead of what he's been hovering at at 40-60 good versus bad. Then I think I'm in. I think I'm okay. I'm in a weird position right now, Matt, because I know if I drop my arm after stretching, it's going to crack, and I don't want it to do that. Let me see if it does it. Ready? We'll do it together. Yeah, it did. I mean, I don't know if you heard it or not, but it did. <laughs> I don't know. It's certainly the most engaging thing Ayer's done in quite some time. I think it's relatively well paced. It's well choreographed, losing guard to the action scenes with some fun winking performances, and then Statham. I think if maybe maybe it's Statham's his muse, like Guy Ritchie, right? That right. this is the guy he needs to work with going forward. I would anticipate we'll see another Beekeeper film. They certainly make it possible. Uh, yeah. But the other thing, too, like, there's a Beekeeper. So he's retired. There's a new Beekeeper that he fights. But he dispatches this Beekeeper relatively easily. And you would... Th- yeah, and she's, like, weirdly unhinged, too. Like, she's, like... like- insane not like this cold killer thing that you yeah and, and i think that's another that's just another way they tri- that he trips over himself with this film because i think mm-hmm. he should that beekeeper because he didn't write this one but that beekeeper you would think would be at least a, as methodical and and in in the present moment and not just a psychotic like right. neon drenched clown costume that they're wearing <laughs> right they, they look basically like jubilee from the x-men or something but uh I don't, yeah, it's, it doesn't make sense for that person to be in that role. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. And it just, and how quickly he dispatches her, but then he has this, this more intense long fight with the South African guy at the end, which is fine because he, he needs to have that, you know, ultimate fight. But I just thought it would have been better if it was a, the other beekeeper that is just a little bit more competent. Maybe that whole beekeeper thing just relies on weaponry. Maybe that's all it was, I guess. It just seems lazy writing or just incomplete. Yeah, it would have it would have been much better if you had gotten like his Carl his version of Carl Urban in the Bourne films versus, you know, Jason Bourne kind of thing. Instead, you know, you remember Jane Child from yeah. the 80s? Who had that's that's who this looks yep. like. That's yep. who that that's who showed up. That is it's like Jane Child She's like, I'm not going to fall in love. Um, your love cuts like a knife. So, oh, I want a quick shout out to Josh Hutcherson, too, doing his uh, mm. ultimate uh, crypto bro billionaire. Yeah, scuzzball. Yeah. Yeah. So that was good, too. Matt, I'm giving uh, Beekeeper B. I'm just going to do it. Wow, it's a bold statement. Yeah, I'm going to give it a B minus. Look at that. We're exact swift swapped. Swift swapped? The old switcheroo. We had a chance to see the beekeeper, which uh, is still in theaters and you can rent digitally right now. It'll be your thoughts. Just an email at the first run. Nope. That's wrong. Feedback at the first run.com. It's only 690 plus episodes. You think I'd have it down by now. All right, Matt, this, this was tough. I was updating this list 10 minutes before we started and I'm still not sure I'm set, but we're going to give our five favorite performances of 2023. So uh, here's the one that didn't quite make the cut for me. I'm hoping I'm blowing up Matt's spot. Oh, hey. You've caught me reading. Oh. 
I've been thinking. Mm-hmm. Kenland. Kendom. Kendom. Kendom land. Land of land the, of the free and the men. Right. Well, this place Kendom is land. really great, and the Kens really are just better at ruling than the Barbies ever were. Well, we just took patriarchy and you know made a patriarchy. Yeah. Well, I was thinking. Yes. I'm ready to be your long-term, distance, low-commitment, casual girlfriend if you'll still have me. Do you just hold on for one second? Oh, okay. Sublime! I don't know. I have to think about that. Oh. Please? Okay. Come on in. I'll play the guitar at you. Oh, yay! <laughs> it's the fact that his response is sublime. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, you know, the fact that uh, didn't make your list is should call Chris's integrity into question. That is a travesty, my friend. That is, of course, uh, uh, Ryan Gosling as Ken in Barbie. Unless, Matt, you were going for Barbie. Now, I probably would have done a more Barbie-centric clip, though, if that was... Yeah, so there you go, Matt. That's honorable mention for me, though I, I enjoyed it. There were other roles that I felt were more entertaining and engaging than that, believe it or not. I can't, you know, I'm still not settled on my five. You go first. What's your five? All right. So my number five then is um, Paul Giamatti mm-hmm. as uh, Paul Hunnam in The Holdovers, a kind of a bare English professor or history professor, excuse me, who is tough. Uh, the students don't like him, but deep down he's, you know, he just wants to do his thing and he wants to be respected and he just does sells the whole bit about, you know, a prickly man who comes to find kind of a surrogate family a bit through the friends he makes over a long, lonely Christmas break with a student and uh, some other staff members who work there. That's a good pick, Matt. That's a good pick. Honorable mention for me. I think I'm going to... I'm changing it again. I just can't decide between these three people. It's really that tight. So I'm going to give you the three. You tell me which one you would pick. All right. Unless it's okay. in your top five, then you can you can okay. abstain. Uh, okay. Or you can just lie. Sure. Uh, Divine Joy Randolph as Mary Lamb in Holdovers. Jeffrey okay. Wright as Monk in American Fiction. Penelope mm-hmm. Cruz as Laura Ferrari. All right. So all of those are honorable mentions. Okay. Me. None of them made my list. But I think for you, the right choice is Penelope Cruz in Ferrari because you not only were a little miffed that she didn't get recognized and you talked about how she is the best part of that film. As good as Divine is, she's not the only good part of that film. Whereas I think Penelope Cruz is arguably the best, the only good part of that film. What about Jeffrey Wright? Because that's who I'm, I'm right now on that. I'd had Penelope Cruz in at five when we started the show. Yeah. Jeffrey Wright is quite entertaining. He, I love Jeffrey Wright. I think he's quite good in, in American fiction. But Penelope Cruz, when she's on screen, she sets that thing on fire and gives it life. You know what? You're right. That's why she was my five. And I think you've convinced me of my own pick. I will stick with Ms. Cruz as Laura. Ba-da-dee. Ba-da-dee. <laughs> and I think yeah, I think you're right, Matt. I think I could swap any... I, I, I guess I can't swap any of them, all of them, either of them in there. Like you said, she's incendiary in that film. 
and uh, she's what makes it watchable, or at least would if you if you're back and forth on it, like I don't know that. Watch it for Penelope. She is a firecracker in that thing. So she's my five. There you go. Very good. All right. So my number four then, I think maybe surprise Chris that she even made the list, but uh, it is one Emma Stone in Poor Things. Now, she puts on an excellent performance and she definitely disappears into the role and she shows a lot of different bits of range in this film. Now, I don't think it's the most naturalistic performance. I think there are obviously some that are better that we'll kind of get into this, but I think as kind of a showcase for her talent, I think she's quite good at it. That's interesting. Uh, my number four is going to be uh, probably, is it the most fun performance for me of the year? It's maybe it's going to be Mark Ruffalo as Duncan Wedderburn in poor things. Hmm. As the uh, Lothario who attempts to uh, whisk Bella Baxter away and romance her ends up becoming spurned and is absolutely crushed by it. But it, I, of all the Ruffalo's roles, and he's always been fantastic, this is my favorite performance of his. It's just so, it's just weirdly restrained, bonkers over the top f- performance, which I know is a weird thing to say, but it's just, it's, it just fits that film perfectly. And it makes one of the most watchable working actors today even more engaging. And it's almost, I would almost want to see a film just on his character. And that's how I, why it had to be in my top five. Very nice. Okay. All right. Well, then my number three then is uh, one Ryan Gosling uh, proving that he is Knuff as Ken and Barbie. The by far head and shoulders best thing about that film. He is absolutely hilarious in it. Uh, he really just goes full out on the himbo thing. And he's got most of the best lines. I mean, I like Margot Robbie, but she just cannot keep up when he's on the screen. Yeah. No, I think that's a fair pick. Honorable mention, obviously. Uh, My number three then is Emma Stone as Bella Baxter. Back-to-back poor things performances, a role of her career. Mm -hmm. I think the best thing she's done and the way she's able to capture that childlike, you know, innocence isn't the right word, I guess, but just able to portray that, having that small baby brain in that body and growing and maturing and becoming the person she is while interacting in this weird warped world that exists around her and fighting off these advances from random people and then becoming just taking control of her life and who she is as a person. It is one of the most, if not the most demanding role of the year for me. And uh, that's why Belle Baxter is still only going to be my three, but she's my three. All right. Very good. All right, so then my number two then is Charles Melton as Joe Yu in May December. Yep. Um, Natalie Portman is 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 really good in this film. Julianne Moore is really good, but I think Charlie Charles Melton really seals this film. He sells this film. He makes this film as a broken man who has not dealt with the trauma of what happened to him as a youth, who is still living with his abuser. And it's just a quiet, powerful performance that just shows like he just embodies this like man who just never kind of never matured past 14 in some ways. And it's uh, a wild look when his kids are even more mature than he is. Uh, So, yeah, I think he did a fantastic job as a as a kind of breakout role for him. 
agree with you entirely, and I'm so happy he's on your list. Uh, that's another big Oscar mm. snub for me as well. Uh, I think he's fantastic in that film. So didn't quite make the list for me, but it was tough. He was almost there. My number two then, again, potentially, and this is saying something, but I, I, I recently rewatched this film, and uh, the the turn that this character takes and how deftly and subtly that Robert Downey Jr. plays uh, Louis Strauss in Oppenheimer is, it's just perfect. I really couldn't think of anybody who could have taken that turn and done that role as well as he does. The 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 guy who's so focused on himself and his personal brilliance and he this perceived snub that changes his life and all these other people's lives just because of how petty he is by this potential just minor, well, not to him, snub by uh, 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 Einstein, right? And uh, Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's fantastic work from him. And when that, when Nolan gives us that reveal and everything kind of shifts, it's just poetic work for me from Robert Downey Jr. So that's my two. Yeah. Honorable mention for me, he is great in that film, but Robert Downey, RDJ's usually good to great in everything yeah. he does. So. All right, so Batman number one then is uh, Lily Gladstone as uh, Molly Burkhart in Killers of the Flower Moon. I feel like I might be stepping on Chris's thunder here a little bit. Um, But she gives a, as I think me and Chris kind of debated this uh, an episode or two ago, while Emma Stone is excellent, this is a much more naturalistic, quiet performance where Mm -hmm. you can really feel this woman's pain. You can empathize with with her as a human being. And she is alive in a way and and real in a way that a lot of, you know, other performances are not. I think Lily, she just knocked it out of the park with this. So I think it's by far my favorite performance of the year. Yeah. Well, my number one is. Yeah. (laughs) Mia Goth. (laughs) Mia Goth. No, it's Lily Gladstone as Molly Burkhart. Mm -hmm. Uh, It had to be just basically for all the reasons Matt said. Just the subtle power of that performance, it's uh, devastating. And how, how, what, just desperately, Matt, she wants to hold on to her marriage and the man she loves while everything falls apart when he's one of the key people involved in the destruction of her family. Uh, it is just a devastating performance, the best of the year. And uh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Willie Gladstone uh, is my one as well. Matt, honorable mentions. Uh, the only ones that I haven't that we haven't mentioned, um, I will say Carrie Mulligan and Maestro. I think she's yep. the best part of that film by far. Uh, <clears throat> Ao uh, Edabiri in Bottoms is uh, pretty You're funny. Stealing all um, my thunder here. Yep. Stay tuned for the stinger this week, folks. Yeah, and uh, I thought you know what I thought Jennifer Lawrence and No Hard Feelings so again. Not a great movie, but I thought she was really good. That's good. That's a good pick. Uh, stuff that Matt didn't say. Uh, Sandra Uller in uh, Anatomy of a Fall. I would mm-hmm. throw in Barry Keegan as Oliver Quick in Saltburn. Matt might not agree with me on that one. Mm. Uh, Greta Lee as Nora in Past Lives. Uh, you talked about Carrie. Oh, Carrie Mulligan. Was your Carrie Mulligan maestro? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Cillian Murphy in Oppenheimer. Uh, yeah, he's good too. John yeah. Boyega in Ty, They Clone Tyrone. I would throw in oh, there yeah. as well. Uh, I'm surprised yeah. too. Fastbender as the killer didn't make your list. I, I thought about it. I, I thought it, mm, it was close, but did not and then we talked about margot robbie at tail you uh as asung in past lives i have both of them mm. as honorable mentions i did consider greta lee a couple times too in my top five but 
Uh, and of course, legitimately, because I had so much fun with her performance, I do have Mia Goth as an honorable mention as Gabby <laughs> in Infinity Pool. So, uh, yeah, I was pulling the clip for the Stingers. I wanted it from Bottoms, and I was just kind of scanning through because I wanted to have Edabini as the Stinger. So many yeah. great. I laughed out loud again, just scrolling through the film, trying to find a good clip. So, uh, yeah. if you haven't seen Bottoms yet, folks, Matt was not as hot on, on it as I was. Like I, just, I think I described it as like a it was a generational defining comedy. I thought it was mm-hmm. just, you like absurdist humor, just over the top stuff, but still clever and sneaky as hell. Uh, I think you're gonna love Bottoms if you haven't chance to see it yet. And that's that, Matt. What's coming up? Uh, what's your five favorite performances? Your your favorite performance? Just an email feedback at thefirstrun.com. We'd love to hear from you, Matt. What's coming up next week? Well, next week, um, a film that I, oh boy, I'm not sure I'm looking forward to this, but uh, I guess we got to do it. Uh, we're going to check mm-hmm. out the latest entry in Sony's Spider-Verse, Madam Web, which honestly does not look great, but we, maybe I'll be surprised. Maybe I'll be surprised that Dakota Johnson and Sydney Sweeney can pull this off. Um, the second film I think is TBD. We have to decide what we're going to do, but, uh, we'll come up with something. Yep. There you go. And then, uh, in the meantime, check us out at uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, do a search for the first run, scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually you'll find us Hand over to Apple podcasts. Give us a review and help other people find the show and head over to the first We got that new player there. You can just scroll through, listen to whatever episode you want right there. And you can find archives of all the old shows. Uh, the uh, report card is there. You can give what, see what grades. And in the report card as well, we're linked. So if you go through that, Matt, and you say, oh, what did uh, Matt and Chris think about uh, Fast and Furious 36, whatever. You can actually see what grade we gave it and then click on the link and it'll bring it right to you. You can listen to that show right there. Wow. On demand. Look at that. And uh, I guess that, now. that'll be that for this week. So uh, we love you all very much. Uh, Take care of yourselves, and we will see you soon. Excuse me. Could the ugly, untalented gaze please report to the principal's office? Guess that's you guys. Hello, Principal Myers. First of all, I want to say God bless you. Shut up. You know why you're here. I don't, actually. For committing a crime against Jeff our quarterback and the most good-looking, all-American, red-blooded, muscular man this town has ever seen. Sir, please look in the mirror. Okay.